welcome to the Bloody Broads Pod. We're your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And Bhavna, what are we covering this week? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) What do we we say whenever we get a text message that we don't want to answer or an email? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Um, But we are covering Jordan Peele's 2022 modern classic, Nope. Because it's nope November. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you got to see this a couple different times, and we mm-hmm. are going to talk about you being able to see it at TIFF with Jordan Peele and getting to do a Q&A. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm super jealous, but I want to hear your first thoughts. Okay. Well, my first thoughts in general about watching this, I went in pretty much as blind as possible. Like I only watched one trailer and I refused to watch any other ones because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let Jordan tell me his story. Not this like, he's he's already got me. I'm already going to be there first week. He doesn't need to sell me on this. Let's go. Uh, so my first thoughts when watching this were like, beautiful gowns, beautiful film, no <laughs> notes. Like It was honestly like, I don't see, I have a love-hate relationship with alien films. Same. Um, I love some of them and I hate some of them. And I, I'm very, very particular about them. This was probably my perfect balance between um, like a thriller-ish film and an alien film. Like this is like my perfect marriage of like what an alien film should be. Agreed. Um, yeah. I mean, can I just say same to all of that? Like I. <laughs> you definitely can. Well, and I mean, you and I have said this ad nauseum, both on and off pod, but like, we don't think trailers are that helpful anymore. No. Um, I think kind of as we've come out of the thick of the pandemic, although we are definitely still in the pandemic, no matter what anyone else says, um, as we've kind of gone back to the theater, I think there's a hard sell trying to happen in a lot of cases. Uh, We saw it with the Northmen giving away a lot of the story in both trailers. Um, Yeah, yeah, they did. (laughs) Yeah, Ambulance, which I did not see, but the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, the trailer was so long, they literally told the entire story in the trailer. That's why I skipped it. Yeah, like I, it was an option to watch it on the airplane, and I was like, no, I'm good. Um, Anyways, I just, I went into this movie with the only expectation to be entertained because it is a Jordan Peele movie and to potentially get a little scared. Yes. And it all of the above. Correct. Right. Like it accomplished all of that. And I think on top of that, it did it so well. Mm-hmm. The storytelling aspects. I mean, as y'all are about to hear, Bafa and I can nerd out about this for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I think people who said that pieces of this movie didn't fit into the bigger story did not watch the same movie that we did. No. Uh, everything everything blended in and brought was brought back full circle. Everything. He's like, Jordan Peele is like an American Edgar Wright. Like yes, nothing is yes. wasted on screen at all. Yeah. Well, and I think too, kind of on top of people's criticisms of, you know, oh, I, I wound up not being scared. Okay, well, that's subjective. And I disagree because I think if you saw a jean jacket in person, you would be horrified. Yeah. And if you saw your house get rained on with blood, you would also be horrified. Or your um, dad being murdered by a coin. Yeah, that that fucked me up. Um, yeah. Just the beginning of the movie. What? No yeah. thanks. Uh, nope. Um, but I say all that to say, you know... Are there valid criticisms of this movie? Sure. One of them is the runtime. I know yeah. a lot of people were saying certain things could be cut. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think kind of what you said, everything is in it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the difference between cooking and baking, right? Like cooking, you can kind of get fast and loose with the recipe and it'll still turn out great. Like you could throw various amounts of specific ingredients into spaghetti sauce and it's still going to make spaghetti sauce and it might even still taste great, you know? But with baking, it's an exact science and you have to have precise amounts of each ingredient, usually in a specific order, <laughs> blended a certain way to make like, what you're you, trying to make. Exactly. Like if you've ever if you've ever seen those posts where it's like they show you what cookies look like when you either have <gasps> yeah. too much sugar, not enough baking soda, didn't bake it at the right consistency. Right. 
too much chocolate. Like yeah, it, chilled it the dough beforehand. Whole- I'm obsessed exactly. with that kind of stuff because cooking, like science, just blows my mind. But yeah, I mean, I think people who went into this expecting another get out or another nope, of course, are going to be disappointed because this has what double the budget of Get Out. I mean, yeah, probably ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you need a lot more. CGI for this one. <laughs> right? Uh, I think they only use like a couple minutes of CGI total and get out. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, his sunken place scenes. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I think people who criticize this mm-hmm. for being, I had one guy kind of come at me, of course, on the internet for saying that uh, I was justifying the stupidness of Jean Jacket. And I was like, he perfectly explained everything about Jean Jacket. I had no questions about Jean Jacket at the end of that movie. Right. Well, okay, his criticism basically, and eventually he got blocked. (laughs) His criticism was basically that Jean Jacket didn't, quote, make any sense. And I was like, my dude, it is an alien. Oh, bruh, I have thoughts on that. (laughs) Right, right. Like, do you think it's going to follow the same laws of earth and also there's this whole theory and those of you who have heard me talk about aliens and extraterrestrials in general before there's this theory that there are also aliens like deep down in the ocean oh god yeah i don't want to know anything about that right right so again i feel like i plug hellier all the time and i i because i love it um as you should yeah it's uh it's uh, very interesting to me that people are so bound and determined to limit their own imagination and it hinders their enjoyment of things. That mm-hmm. blows my mind because if I pay $20 for something, I'm not going into it a hater. I'm I'm just not. Like I'm going to be excited about it, you know? <laughs> Which is why like I, I were in the time machine, but I just can't, like I just wrapped up the film festival and I'm like, those tickets aren't cheap. No. So I'm going to at least, so I'm very selective about the movies I see. And if I see a dud, I'm so mad. Right. Well, okay. Let's talk about the opening of the movie. And then you know that I'm going to nerd out about you getting yes. to do the Q&A. But. Yes. Um, but the opening. Oh, my God. The <laughs> opening. So everybody that, like, basically, every, I'm going to assume everybody knew that this was going to be some kind of alien movie. Because that's basically all that most people knew, you know going into this so when it opens up on a freaking children's show (laughs) listen i knew some shit was about to go down yeah like all you see is like this massacre on this tv set on this like clothes like you know this uh sitcom set like you sub in your 90s whatever here all i could think of was home improvement to be honest same (laughs) (laughs) because that's the only show i could remember where you actually got to see the setup so yeah uh with tool time but um (laughs) <laughs> no, just that that and then that resting shot, I believe they showed the shoe in the first shot. So this this like flat kind of this Mary Jane flat just kind of stood on up end. vertically yeah. on end, like uh like ballet style, but no one's in it. And I'm like, oh God, what are we in for? You know? Yeah. That was I still don't know, you know, everyone keeps asking what is that supposed to mean? I genuinely think it was just scary. Like I don't it think was, there was It's scary and I think it was a stylistic callback to later when all the stuff falls from the sky and you see things kind of just like rooted into yeah uh, the stairs and things like that where it's like you know coins being jutted down like cards being like kind of like uh stuck in place yeah like I don't think there was people were asking okay so were the same forces that kind of gave jean jacket life or a jean jacket itself was it present affecting Gordy's behavior Oh, that's, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but that's kind of our theory that keeps getting thrown around. Um, mm. I will say, I just kind of took it like you did. The force was just so much that the shoe was stuck on it. Yep. Uh, yep. I don't think people realize, I mean, of of course they don't, because unless we have like a zoologist listening to us, yes. um, I don't think people realize how strong chimpanzees are, um, despite their being... I'm sure hundreds of videos on the internet of like chimp attacks, which monkeys, Mm -hmm. monkeys scare me and aliens scare me. So going to this movie, I knew was going to, I was going to be scared. They, yeah. Monkeys horrify me. I know everyone thinks they're cute. They're too human. Like they're too uncanny Valley. I don't like them. (laughs) I like them from afar. 
Yeah, I like no, monkeys no, no, from no. Like, far. Yeah, like at the zoo or whatever, that's cool. Well, but like big chimps scare me so much. Well, I was in school in India for a year. Mm. I lived in India for a year when I was about 10 years old, so grade five. Um, and one of the things, I went to like an English school, so it's a private school. And uh, we were outside because we do roll call every day, the entire school. We're in the field. We're all lined up by our classes. They inspect our shoes. It's a whole thing. It's like a fire drill. I know, but it's every morning. You got to go oh into this yeah. dusty ass field and Jesus. you get like, you know, you get roll call, like, you know, morning yeah, or yeah. whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then you head off to your classes. So while we were doing roll call, this monkey no. comes out of nowhere and no. it's just like scaling the school. And like, you c- c- tell me you're from Canada and you're in India without telling me you're from Canada and you're in India. Cause I'm going like, <laughs> oh, it's a monkey. And everybody else around me is like, are you fucking stupid? Like, <laughs> why are you not scared? And I'm like, it's a monkey. Because at that oh point, God. I've only ever experienced them in zoos or on TV. Right. Yeah. You had but no reason to like, be afraid. Yeah. They're like, hello, rabies? Like, <laughs> Rabies. And like, again, what exactly happens in the movie? And I, yeah. I just think that this sets up the rest of the movie so well to have a performer push to the edge. Yes. Uh, and it and sets I, the tone right away. Yeah, and I think that that's something that needs to be discussed in the industry more mm-hmm. generally is that especially actors, we're expected to just be great, grateful to be there. And I've said this, I think, yeah. in three or four episodes now, but like no one else is like expected to get up at the end of their workday and be like, oh my God, I'm just so humbled by this opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like no one else is expected to be like uh, – like, thank you so much for taking a chance on me. Right. And I, you know, there's definitely moments where I still feel that way. Absolutely. And I feel that way in my day job, too. I'm like, wow, this is a cool day job. But but that's coming from you. It's not being right. projected onto you. Right. And also, there's a lot of this feeling of being an animal who's trained to perform. And kind of where Gordy finally had had it, I mean, there's definitely... I think moments where you just get overwhelmed. And I think that goes for anybody with anxiety. And you and I have talked about this very honestly to each other, that a lot of times my anxiety manifests as rudeness or snippiness Mm -hmm. or being short with people. And it's not on purpose, but it's still an asshole thing to do. And, you know, I'm (laughs) not ashamed (laughs) that I take uh, Lexapro. And it's definitely been very helpful for that, as has many years of therapy. But it's true. Like you – you lash out because you're so afraid of mm-hmm. anything. I mean, it doesn't have to make sense to your body. Your body's just sending off red flags. And yeah. so I think to have that open up the movie just was such a gut punch of like, oh my God, these poor children. Like, yeah. Oh. Little Jupe killed me. I, I'm forgetting the actor's name, the child actor's name. Oh gosh, was, me too. But Little so Jupe. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I love that we only got a snippet in the beginning too. Like we Same. didn't get the whole story, which yeah. was even more terrifying. Cause now you're sitting there going like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? I'm I know. Like, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> <sighs> oh man. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, also would watch Gordy's home. <laughs> oh, correct. I would absolutely watch that. Um, and as Phil talked about in our last episode, he was, t- you know, briefly, I think it was actually after we had stopped recording, but we talked about how uh, the issue for this movie of Fangoria that came out, they did the yeah. cover as if it was like a People magazine from the 90s expose of the, the Gordy's <laughs> Home incident, which I thought was genius because it just tied into all the marketing of the movie. And again, Jordan mm-hmm. Peele is such a genius. Like he's obviously on my torque with list, you know, Lord Willen and the Creek Don't Rise. But like you said, the beginning of this film setting the tone, that's what made me even more angry when that guy was like, it was so disjointed. And I was like, where? 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 Did you fall asleep? Like, did I, you watch the whole movie? Did you leave? Were you super stoned? Because that might actually have made it made more sense now that I think about it. And it already made sense. So, But I mean, even if you are stoned, you still can connect the dots. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Just, ugh, no, no thanks. No thank you, .jpg, to that person. I know. But as Jamie said, I got to watch it at TIFF in IMAX. Um, at actually, one of the fir- world's first IMAX theaters, like, for public consumption. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking cool. 
Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever went there was to go see Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi <laughs> one, when I was a kid. <laughs> God bless. Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it looks like dilapidated Epcot to to, to describe the Cinesphere Theater. Like, it's, uh, uh, it's got that, like, globe kind of effect thing, which I yeah. guess why they, they used it for an IMAX theater, but it's, uh, in an abandoned theme park. So it kind of set the tone to This is see literally, yeah, that's, that's, wow. Yeah. Look it up. Cinesphere, Ontario Place. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what to do with it. I used to love going to that place as a kid, and now it hasn't been used in, like, over a decade. So, Amazing. Um, so, when I bought tickets, I didn't realize I had front row tickets. Because it said row D. And yeah, why would that be front row? <laughs> exactly. Why would that be front row? Uh, so, I went and... Uh, okay, so they let us in a little late. It was a muggy afternoon. I'm setting the scene for all of you guys. It was a muggy <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> My The friends I was with, they had to go to the bathroom. So, I was like, all right, I'll wait for you guys outside. I'm not going in there. It's even muggier inside. But the, because it's a sphere... We were, like, right by the, I guess, talent entrance in the back. So I'm like, oh, I see Cameron Bailey. He's the CEO of TIFF. I'm like, we jokingly call him BFF Cameron because, you know, Cute. he shows up to most of the big screenings. So he's there. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's just Cameron Bailey. And um, I, like, looked at my phone for a minute. And I turned over. And I'm like, oh, that's Jordan Peele. And, like, he's, like, 10 feet away from me. And I'm just like. I'm going to try and keep my cool right now. Like, I texted Jamie. I'm like, I have no chance. <laughs> I texted her back and I was like, oh, casual. Hey, I said, I said, hey, Jordan, and did like a little smirk emoji. Uh, anyways. Anyways, so we go in, we get our snacks. We're like maybe two minutes late because I hadn't eaten lunch yet or breakfast. And this was like a like a 2 p.m. screening. So I was like, you know what? I need to eat. Um, you got to be fueled up for that kind of emotional roller coaster. Listen, listen. So I bought a foot long hot dog because I fucking could. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the works. I put like, you know, relish, mustard, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but I am a klutz and I will spill mustard on myself and all that kind of stuff in the dark. So I very have to eat my hot dog very carefully. So there is still light up. So I go to take a bite and like, you know, they're talking. And as I take a bite, Jordan Peele looks over and it's too late for me to bail out of my bite without it being really awkward. So I go to like take my bite and like he looks at me and I'm just like, avert your gaze (laughs) so I like look down at my hot dog like I ate it and like as I'm chewing he's still looking at me because the uh, cinematographer was still talking and I'm just like please don't watch me eat I don't even like when normal people watch me eat (laughs) like I I was like uh, I don't think he was like watching but I think he was just like did she just take a bite right like you know hot dog dog? (laughs) yeah but I was just like no just keep talking we were he was just baffled by your Canadian concession options. Yes. So basically the QA though, it was it was worth it. It was worth the price of admission. Of course. Um, most of what he talks about has already been published everywhere. Like a lot of places started, you know, all the journalism and all that kind of stuff was out about it. But the main thing I took away, and this is what they talked about for the most part, and it was the best thing for any film nerd out there, because it blew my fucking mind, was <laughs> that the night shots were day shots. Right. Like, he told all of the, us that, and, like, there was a gasp throughout this entire <laughs> IMAX Max theater, because we're all like, fuck. So the way that, um, I believe his name is, like, Hoyt von Ho- Hoytma, I cannot pronounce it correctly, but he is, I believe, Dutch. Um, so the way he described it was, like, he wanted the night to have the same feel as you do when you take in night, like, as a person, without any external lighting, not movie lights. And Jamie, you'll know this better than I do, but like set lighting, especially night shoots are super illuminated. Yeah. Right. And like, you have to be careful with your angles and where the light's coming from and all that kind of stuff. He didn't want that because he wanted it to feel like, you know, you're out there and like, he wanted to recreate the experience of when him and Jordan went out to the actual Aqua Dulce, Dulce. I don't remember the name, but like the actual Valley, like, when they went out there, there were like a million stars out. It was beautiful, all that kind of stuff. And he wanted to recreate that because he thought that was the perfect atmosphere. Well, yeah, because when you when you film, like you said, at night, it's not going to look like how it looks like in real life, obviously. But the way a full moon illuminates a valley is very different than how you can 
ever try to recreate that in post. Like, it's just not going to work. Exactly. And apparently it also ended up being cheaper yeah. to shoot, uh, shoot it during the day. Because, I mean, I'm guessing, like, you don't have to pay the night rate. You don't have to, like... Well, you don't have to hire as many... Um, you don't have to, like, rent out as much lighting equipment. You probably it. have to have a couple fewer grips because you have less light or best boys. Um, I mean, electrical budget was probably just so much cheaper, which is a good thing because they probably spent all of it on jean jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we love jean jacket in this house. We do. <laughs> we do. But it was just like, you could see it on everyone's face because he was just like, I don't want to spoil this in case people haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jordan was like, you know, what? fuck it. We're going to tell them. And like, that's when they started going off about how like it was all day shoots and everything. And then talking about the feel. And the thing was, he was just like, I sat there and I turned over to my friend. I'm like, that explains it. I couldn't put my finger on it when I watched it, but it felt different. And I couldn't explain why it didn't even fully register with me why it felt different. I just remember it being different. And then that opens up a whole other like facet to the acting. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, I have a lot of feelings about this. When you have to put yourself in a pretend situation that you have to portray as real, that's basic Mm -hmm. acting. Then you add the layer of extraterrestrials on, an element of the fantastical. Yep. Then you add on atmosphere. I Uh mean, it's it's why I always compliment the people who act in, like, the Lord of the Rings show or Game of Thrones. Like, anything where there's a lot of fantasy that you can't see that's on a green screen, I mean, that's why I won't hear a lot of negative criticism against superhero movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yo, you don't understand. <laughs> sorry, Jamie Lee Curtis. Not sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh, bless. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, when that came out that he had used this new, essentially a brand new technology to mm-hmm. make these, usually you have to do uh day for night or night for day mm-hmm. with lighting. But the fact that he just, made at night not him yeah. obviously but the people involved on the technical yeah. side of things but he had a hand in it i'm just very yeah. fascinated by that and i could have probably listened to him talk about that just yes. as much as the rest of the movie also fun fact so the imax camera that was used as a prop was the one that went to mars or not mars um the one that went to space yeah okay so that got mentioned a couple different places but i don't think i ever like put two and two together until the second time I saw this. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's cool. I do love that. And Jordan's such a master of this. Every single aspect of the movie, not just script, Mm -hmm. not just the characters, not just the film itself, but every single aspect down to the technical production planning Mm -hmm. ties back into the themes Mm -hmm. and the story. And I just don't feel, I mean, the last person to do that with Hitchcock, I know famously Jordan came, you know, tweeted on Twitter. He was like, <laughs> you know, please sit down when someone compared him to Hitchcock. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think he's, no. pro- yeah, he's probably a much better person than Hitchcock. So that helps. He treats the talent a lot better than Correct. Hitchcock <laughs> Or did. <laughs> but I mean, and he's so giving of his time to do a Q&A like that. And yes, mm-hmm. Tiff is very prestigious and everything, but... He didn't have to. Right. And he was just to a room of like, like you said, fellow film nerds, like those of us who wanted to be there too. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't the industry, which is really interesting to me. Um, And I, I kind of wanted to get into how he used the siblings to represent the two sides of people, even within yourself Mm -hmm. and how they, how you feel about the industry uh, being inside of it. And how you get treated. Um, and obviously race is going to play a factor into that because that's just a fact of life. Yeah. But I didn't want to skip over anything you wanted to talk about from oh, the Q&A. No worries. That was the main feature of the Q&A. That and awkwardly <laughs> making eye contact while eating a hot dog. I fucking love that though. Listen, I, I wouldn't be me yeah. if that didn't happen. So. Well, and I mean, he started <laughs> off doing Key and Peele. So, well, not the first thing he started off on, but you know what I mean. That's... I think he could probably appreciate a comedic Though, timing. I will say, he was actually there for Wendell and Wild, which is why he was at the film festival to begin with. So to be able to see him and, and, and uh, Keegan-Michael Key on stage, too, and, like, in the movie as well, 
you guys will love it. We will probably cover it at some point because like there's so many things that are amazing about this movie and I want everyone to watch it um, for a lot of different reasons. But like he got asked a question during that Q and A as well um, about horror. He got asked like, why does he keep coming back to horror? Like, cause they were like, there, someone pointed out that there's horror elements in like Keen Peel. There's horror elements in pretty much everything he's ever done. Like, why do you bring it back? And he had this freaking amazing answer that I was fumbling with my phone and I couldn't record it or like write it down <laughs> fast enough. So we'll have to look it up later. And I want to look it up in time for this, but I have had a very busy week, guys. Um, but his answer was beautiful. It was something along the lines of like, well, you can't have life without horror. Yeah. Like horror is a common thread through life. And he brought it back and he said something along this, uh, the same lines of what we always say is that horror is the inevitable. Like you Man can't escape it. Yeah. yeah. He was basically saying you can't escape horror. So why would I hide from it? Like <sighs> everything I do will have a thread in it because that's just life. He goes, that's just how life is. And I'm like, oh. I love you so much. Um, yeah. I could listen to people who are as passionate about horror and filmmaking in general uh, talk forever. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, even our friends that have other <laughs> podcasts, like, I mean, and I do listen to them for hours every week. <laughs> same, same. Um, That's how I get through the week. <laughs> I know. But we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and nerd out some more. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for some more free thoughts. And we're back. So prior to commercial break, uh, after we were goofing off a little bit, <laughs> um, so somebody on Twitter posted this fan art that depicted Kiki Palmer's character and Daniel's character just as two ends of kind of the neurodivergent spectrum. And I do want to treat this very gently because I am not autistic, but have been around lots of autistic friends and family members um, and also have a significant other who works with autistic uh, young adults. And the moment that they showed him on set with the horse, I was wondering if he was autistic just because of how he interacted with people and how he couldn't make eye contact. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a little bit biased, but again, because of knowing so many autistic people in life, Mm -hmm. but someone had him to represent autism and then had her as kind of a manic version of not just ADHD, but almost like manic depressive episodes. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. Tracks. Yeah. Not necessarily bipolar, but just a mania phase. But I think kind of on the more, I don't want to say life, in general, but life in general <laughs> aspect of it. To me, they really represented how people deal with the industry as there's also two types of people, but kind of a, as a third, you know, way to view it is that's kind of how you feel inside yourself being involved with the industry yeah. where some days you're just there to show up and do your job and you're just trying to be the consummate professional. And then some days you're like, hungry and it's it might not be as cringy as Kiki Palmer's <laughs> intro in the movie because when she was saying like I do hair I do nails I you know just that hustle aspect uh just reminds me so much of you know people being told don't be amateurish about this kind of thing but still be grateful to be here it's a lot of contradictions what I'm trying to wrap up and say um but mm -hmm. I just thought that that take was very interesting um, I also found it interesting that if she was day, he was night in terms of personalities. That tracks. Yeah. It was a lot of him being fully himself when he was alone, him being mm -hmm. fully himself at nighttime, you know, taking care of the horses. I mean, I don't know. I, it was very interesting to me. And there's definitely some more uh, mythological tie-ins that I am nowhere near studied enough in that Same. area to, to go do too deep in, mm -hmm. but it was a lot of uh, sibling lore across multiple mythologies that I'm sure even if Jordan Peele wasn't overtly aware of doing it, it had to have come into play. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Or at least somebody looking over his script or somewhere along the line, somebody must have known if it wasn't him. Yeah. And I, you know, I always say that that's the good mark of a great movie is when you care so deeply about the characters that that's what keeps you watching the movie. Like that's the tension is how much you care about those characters. And I was so scared for them the entire movie. And then Angel, himbo of the year. I love that man. Uh, I thought he was so fantastic. The fact that he, I mean, who knows what he's going to get nominated for. The fact that so far no rumblings have come out about him getting nominated for a best supporting at anywhere. Yeah, um, is a shame. And a travesty. Truly. I mean, truly, what a tragedy. Just like so good. Um, I, I'm trying to reel my thoughts in on this because I just love five their performance. Five stars, Angel. Five stars. Yeah. Like, and, and obviously Daniel and Kiki as well. Like, what? Incredible. And then Keith David. Like. Oh, my God. And then a movie right. where I want to punch Stephen Yoon in the face. Right. Like, we, we talked about that right when I got out because I saw it, like, not that long after you saw it for the yeah. first time. but. I was just like, wow, I wasn't expecting to really dislike Stephen Yen. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I was, I think this is something I texted like Sheree and you. I was just like, a movie that makes me want to punch him in the face and not kiss him in the face. That is like. Right. <laughs> that is acting. <laughs> acting. Um, I don't know. I just, between that and then the fake outs in this movie, I. Again, mm-hmm. I don't understand how people didn't at least enjoy this. If not, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine to not be as in love with it as we are. I get it. Not everybody's That's a Jordan Peele fangirl. We'll get it. That's fine. But to, to not acknowledge this as a phenomenal feat of storytelling blows my mind. Because when we saw those little punk-ass children in the alien costumes, and I thought Bruh. they really were aliens, mm-hmm. I was digging my hands into the hand rest. And the friend that went to go see the movie with me was just leaned over and he was like, are you good? And I was like, you know, they scare me so bad. Like aliens scare me so much. Um, It reminded me of a, I'm trying to think of if it was a movie or a TV show Mm -hmm. from the early 2000s, but the alien, it's a guy there like in a trailer and a guy, like, hears something pounding on his window. Anyways, goes to check. And this little alien just, like, pops its head around the corner really slow and then pulls itself back. That is so much scarier to me than, like, something mm-hmm. running quickly. I don't know why. It just is. I yeah. digress. The children fake out was A++. Incredible. Beautiful. And I remember, what, speaking of the trailers earlier, when that second trailer came out and we saw those aliens, everybody got pissed because they were like, I can't believe he showed aliens in the trailer, and I was like, do you really think Jordan Peele would give away the big bad in a trailer that comes out mere days before the actual film itself? I Yeah, I knew no. that that was going to be some kind of fake out, but it, oh God, it still scared the shit out of me. Yeah. No, it scared me too. Like you can, uh, like uh, my friend that I went with, I was just, um, I was having a very visceral reaction to that barn scene. I was like, oh, mm, mm, mm. Mm. Well, it reminded me of the barn and the dark and the wicked. Much nicer, obviously, but like the uh, mm-hmm. pieces, the horse crawl walker, you know, moving by itself. And then um, just being in a barn in general where something creepy is about to happen. But the f- again, the funniest part, and it goes back to Jordan's comedic timing, is the little kid swinging down from the ceiling and getting sucker punched in the face. I mean, I yeah. laughed like. So I, I, I was very obnoxious, my laugh. I apologize for anyone in the theater with me. But um, up until that moment, our theater had been perfectly silent. And I think just you can't fake that kind of tension. Because there wasn't even a score underneath that scene. There no, was no, it was just quiet. Yeah, there was no like sharp violins, no, you know, nothing that would give it away. And anyways, I could gush about that scene forever. But truly, the alien... That version of the alien scared me, but Jean Jacket itself scared me. Mm-hmm. The concept of Jean Jacket definitely did scare me. I think the thing that scared me was also the brilliant part of this movie is that you find out that it's not the ship. It is the actual alien that's yes. like gobbling up everybody and all that kind of stuff. Because you're like, uh, what? Like, 
you know, and I, the thing I think the most is the most scary thing about Jean Jacket is that it's an alien we haven't seen before. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about motivation. Yeah. Like it's not a world ender. I think alien uh, Angel mentioned that. Yeah. Earlier. It's not a world ender. It's not like anything like we've seen before, like, you know, in the thing or aliens or Prometheus or fourth kind or like anything like that. Oh. Like there's not there's no sinister motivation behind Jean Jacket. And that makes it even scarier. Because it's just, it's just a hungry little animal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and again, it goes back to Gordy in the beginning. Just, it's an animal doing what an animal does. That's why it always cracks me up. And people know I'm an avid hiker and I'm very aware of bears and moose because they will fuck you up just as much as a bear. Oh, yeah. Um, Same thing with bison. Like, you know, they're going to really mess you up. And you give them their space and you respect them. And if they threaten your life, yes, then you have to do something about it. But it always cracks me up when people are like, well, I don't understand why it attacked me or whatever. And it's like, well, if you were in its house, like we're we're guests on earth. I don't think people yeah. as humans truly ad- to, like appreciate that. Not to get yeah. too crazy existential, but we are guests. <laughs> yeah. We are in the animal's house when we are in nature. Yeah. And that's, I mean that kind of led to this bigger conversation of, you know, was Jean Jacket here first? That's it. Like, was Jean Jacket here first? Was it just, does it go through a feeding period? Is it like Pennywise? It comes out every couple of years. Like what happens? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. But like the thing I really enjoyed was just like, they could have left. They could have just left because there isn't an imminent threat. It's just eating up everything in the area, you know, pack up your horses and get the fuck out during the day or like whenever it's not there, like they could have literally, and they did for a while. They left. Yeah. They chose to go back, you know, for the Oprah shot, but also well, like uh, to stand their ground, you know, and all that kind of stuff, which, which is what I found made it a more compelling movie because we care about these people. Just yeah. As much as we care about Jean Jacket. And, and I love that they go to um, that specific store to get their tech. Cause I, I think it's closed. I think that actual store is closed now in LA, but I've oh, seen okay. it. In, yeah, I've seen it in person and it really is themed with a spaceship, which just kills me. Um, yeah. I think this movie did such a good job of mixing the uh, kitschy with the real mm-hmm. life like that. Very Roswell. I appreciated that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as much as Jean Jacket scared me and as much as Gordy scared me, what scared me equally was the way Jupe responds to the trauma and how he becomes a machine instead of just uh, processing it like a human. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you can argue that that is a human reaction. Yeah. um, Like you can use it for profit. That's true. And you can clearly see the trauma in his face. Like that was the beautiful cutaway scenes to the actual violence as he's describing the fake SNL skit, which I would pay money to watch. Right. When he was talking about Chris Chris Catan. Yeah. I was like, I know Jordan wrote this. (laughs) I had a few friends who were younger go to me like, who's Chris Catan? I don't get that reference. I'm like, just leave me alone. (laughs) Some of us were born... In a 91 year or in 99 or 90 I'm like, have you never seen Night of the Roxbury? Have you never seen any 90s, like, comedy ever? Um, Anyway, but, like, you could clearly see it in, like, Stephen Ewan's face about how calm he was and then the cutaways and, like, all that kind of stuff. It's just another piece of brilliant storytelling of of show don't tell that he's fucked up by this. Well, and we can get into this heavily, but... He literally builds a museum to his trauma. Yeah. Like, what? With the shoe and, like, a bunch of other things in there. And, like, yeah, he's he's, on the surface. He's, like, shallow and exploiting his own past to make buck. But, you know. I think there's a discussion to be had there about using your trauma to make money. Um, I think Paris Hilton has done a really good job of... Mm -hmm. Her story at the Provo School, I think it's called, where her I think parents so. tried to send her away. Um, yeah. If you listening have not seen the Hulu documentary about her, please watch it. It yeah, it definitely is heavy. You know, trigger warnings left and right. But I think to trauma survivors, there's absolutely a way to 
grow from your trauma while also allowing yourself to find some good in it, uh, some kind of profit in it. That's why Jeanette McCurdy, her book just came out. You know, I'm glad my mom died. What an incredible piece of work. I cried the whole book. But what he does goes a step further and puts other people in danger Mm -hmm. to make a profit. And I think that's his villain arc. That's where he turns the corner from, you know, sympathetic survivor to, well, this guy's kind of a piece of shit. (laughs) As soon as, as soon as literally, as soon as I pieced together that he was going to sacrifice the horse, like before the horse was there, I was like, That pissed me off so much. I know. I was like, how PETA didn't have a field day? I'm sure they did. I just don't know about it. But yeah, I mean, I grew up riding horses. So it was very, I was like, oh no, like my inner horse girl was just like, I don't want to watch this part. Because I thought we were going to see the horse like, like, yeah, yeah, like the humans going up the tube at the end, which was so gross. Yeah. Um, like, like yeah. I didn't grow up with pets. Like I, my dog, we literally got him while I, you know, in my thirties, but like, <laughs> you know, like I didn't grow up with them. I grew up with other people's pets and like all that kind of stuff. So like, I never had that, like, like I loved animals, but I never had that, like, I'm a horse girl or I'm a cat girl or I'm a dog yeah. girl or it's like something growing up. But like, I just have a thing about people that are just fucking assholes. So it's like, you don't yeah. sacrifice the horse that someone wants to buy back from you. You don't tell him he can buy back a horse. Well, and I think too, because here's where my mind went. He was slowly buying these horses from the family to keep them in business with the guarantee and the understanding, eventually they will be there to be bought back. That was Mm -hmm. my understanding. So again, if we're going to take this movie as a metaphor for how we are audiences and how we consume media and our complicitness in the situation, there are people who take pieces of other people's stories and literally chew it up and spit it out, which is what these horses were having done to them, you know, being sacrificed for spectacle. And I think especially that can be expounded on with the fact that it's a black person's property. Like it's a black person's story that's getting sacrificed on the altar of entertainment. And I know specifically, uh, you know, Cat and Jazz from Girl That's Scary and, and Ryan, uh, Brother Ghoulish, and Sheree from Nightmare on Fear Street. We've all talked about this kind of on their own pause and then together of we have enough movies with black trauma porn. Like we don't mm-hmm. need another slave movie. We just don't. Um, you know, I'm sorry to people who are fans of that kind of stuff. I just, I, we're good. We're, we're, we don't need it. No. And To me, this entire film keeps reminding us that our entertainment is not a victimless crime. Yeah. I know that's kind of heavy, but it's kind of what I got out of that specific section of the movie and of the movie overall um, with him being expected to sacrifice himself to tame Jean Jacket. Yeah, that's it. I did enjoy, however, that line where um, I believe it was the cinematographer. He was just like, why can't you just sacrifice, you know, ring the dinner dinner bell or whatever and just like offer up the horses. And it's Angel that goes, "Mm -mm. horse people. No. Yeah, no, horse people. No. (laughs) Like, I know that in that that. moment, I know in the moment, like he was literally being like, it was a very literal moment of like, no, 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 they love their horses. Don't do it. But I just thought of like, just the writing as well. Just like someone that had a deep understanding of those two just to be like. No, 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 no. Like they don't even have to answer. That's a stupid question for them to answer. You're dumb. This is yeah. Off the and table. I think I think it was such a good way to show that he has compassion that the director is lacking because Angel's yeah. coming at it from a a fan perspective and a passion yeah. perspective, mm-hmm. and the director's coming at it from a technical perspective. I also want to know what the hell the director was editing when we see yeah. him in his editing lab. That weird-ass animal movie? Yeah. I know someone had tweeted a big thread about what it's supposed to represent. And part of me kind of buys into that level of symbology in Jordan Peele's movies. But part of me is also like, he probably just thought it looked cool. Like, I'm pretty sure he just thought it was a cool piece of old documentary. Could be wrong. You know, maybe I'll get to ask one day. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, that yeah. was another thing I remembered from the Q&A, speaking yeah. of the director. Uh, so he was very, the actor, I forgot his name, he was very involved 
Um, like sense. he even went up to the cinematographer to Hoyt. He was just like, you know, observing him. He came up to just observe him to like kind of get into character and stuff. And the the scarf, Hoyt wears a scarf. So oh. like, so that was one of the things he's just like, can I take that? And like, <laughs> that's how he incorporated the scarf into his like costume. <laughs> Wait, I love that. That's very. Because he loved that look. Yeah, that's very on, on track, I think, for yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah, I I also like how other characters made those specific choices and how I read a very brief article about Kiki's style in this movie because I loved mm-hmm. it. But oh God, also, yes. it was very pieced together. It was very yeah. like, you know, I'm an addict who lives in an RV. Yeah. Uh, when they talked about her kid and calling her, that broke my heart. Um, yeah. You know, and her daughter was like, God, Mom, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Uh, but she wears a Lizard Jesus shirt, which is a band, um, mm-hmm. which I love is kind of a nod to conspiracy theorists who don't, you know, who just see the band name and they're like, what? Um, but I think, too, every single character's clothing choice was important in this movie. Uh, I yep. think. Yep. You know, from the director wearing the scarf to Kiki's clothes kind of being haphazard and also very young for her, you know, personality and her technical, her real life age, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel's character being super practical, always wearing the same pair of boots, wearing the hoodie with Scorpion King on it, <laughs> which His I Rage loved. Against the Machine shirt. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine shirt, which killed me. As me soon too. as I saw that, I was like, I need it. Um, I know. I was I'm like, like <sighs> I'm sure somebody has a thread somewhere of where to get, you know, replicas of this kind of stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, actual vintage things. But um, then we get Steven's character, and he's so flamboyant that it's almost painful. Like, yeah. it's so – as someone who, you know, has capital T trauma uh, – it comes off as like very baby healing to me. Like it's a baby step in the healing process when you are learning mm-hmm. to love yourself and you kind of go hard in the paint in the other direction of self hatred into this very intense navel gazy version of self love. But I need his jacket, his suit that had the UFO on the back. That killed yep. me. I that need that. Me the rhinestones and everything. Is it? It, t- it looked bejeweled. like Gucci. Yeah, it yeah. looked like a Gucci suit to me. Uh, Gucci always does a good suit in their fall winter campaign. And funnily enough, this has very little to do with what we're talking about right now. But <sighs> Gucci's ad campaign for this fall um, mm-hmm. was themed around Kubrick movies. Uh, and there's a specific <gasps> yeah. I'll have to I'll have to tweet it out from the account. But anyways, I love that they are constantly involved in horror things because there's several other horror films where characters wear or own a Gucci item. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I find it very interesting how on purpose things are. Yes. Which sounds very basic, but it's not. <laughs> no, but it brings us back to our point where there's not a wasted thing on screen. Mm. And that goes to the characters as well. Like, there's not a single thing on here that is, um, there's a word for it in, like, Hindi or Urdu. It's called faltu, which literally means, like, the extra thing. Like, it's not needed. Nice. The unnecessary thing. So there's nothing here that is that at all. No. Can you say that again? Because I want to I know how to say that. Yeah. Faltu. Faltu. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I like, like that F-A-L-T-H-U. Faltu. Okay. But it's, uh, but there's nothing here that's wasted at all. And, like, even down to the characters. Like even Barbie Ferris, you know Ferris character. Like I guess yeah. I, like no character here is wasted at all. Like it's part. tight. Like it may be I'll have a long runtime, but it's like the character equivalent of a tight ninety. You know, no, it is, it is. And then even um, and I'm blanking out on the actress's name, but she plays the uh, the girl who gets her face partially ripped off. Oh, by the Gordy. Mary Jo character, Mary jo. Or whatever her name yeah. was. Yeah. That scared me because, uh, oh, again, God, I'm same. terrified of monkeys, but just the body horror of it. And I love that we don't see it until it's healed 20 years later, uh, almost yeah. 30 years later. And she's grotesque. And that's yeah. what that's what his past is. It's grotesque. But he's invited her to the show, which when he was like, ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness a miracle a tonight. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the f- – how? How? Like – what is yeah. wrong with you? Because 
did he think that the the jean jacket was just going to stop at the horse now that he has an entire audience? Like, you can't tame the beast. And to me, that's kind of – or at no. least you can't tame it with hubris. Like they said, you can't tame a predator. You have to enter into an agreement with one. That was Daniel's Which, line. Yes, thank you. That's how I was trying to remember. And what a yeah. beautiful – I mean, the whole scene of them – Taming it was so tense. And I did want to talk about... Oh, the music was incredible. I did want to talk about very very briefly the TMZ reporter. Um, Oh my God, yes. Can we? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So his helmet is super shiny and it only has one hole. Instead of a full Mm -hmm. visor, it has like one circular eye hole. So A, that reminded me of a pinhole camera. But B, I immediately thought, oh, he looks like a cyclops. He has his his one big eye that he's focusing things on with, just that one yep. eye. And then when Kiki asks who he is, his answer is no one. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously the Greek mythology of the cyclops. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's part of the Iliad and the Odyssey. But anyways, yeah. that's, you know, how he – that's um, just – part of the story is very interesting to me that he chose to use that as a frame of reference because of this idea that we're so singularly focused on the spectacle and the entertainment that we miss a very yeah. life-threatening situation, which is going to ultimately lead to that character's demise. Although him hitting that <laughs> wall cracked me the, f- that cracked every me time. Up. I've seen it three times every time. Oh, God. Because it's it's not just that. It's not just hitting it. It's Angel's line right before that. Angel yeah. going like, uh, guys, what do you think will happen to an electrical bike going 60 miles an hour hitting, you know, a, a, a non-electrical field? And then Yeah. It's- oh, that was the other thing that the guy kind of coming at me for liking this movie brought up. He was like, it can just turn on and off electricity. And I was like, it never does that. It pulsates and also there are 100% animals who react differently at the poles of the earth than they do anywhere else like the, yeah. yes the magnetic force of the earth is called gravity congrats you passed yeah. sixth grade science like he, he like couldn't understand why I was like it's not going to behave according to all our laws of physics because it's not from here like what part of that anyway yeah. that whole scene just cracked me up um do people not know how to suspend their disbelief anymore? Clearly not. Like, this guy was just so mad that I enjoyed this film. And I was like, wow, I've never been that upset about somebody liking a movie. Not yeah. once. Um, anyways, I I don't know. I think this is a modern masterpiece, and it really upset people that I thought that way. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, uh, why, why do you care this much about how much I care? <laughs> I know. Um, why don't you lead us into your final thoughts so I can gather mine? Because I have a lot right now. <laughs> no worries. I thought this was a great movie, obviously, if you haven't heard me for the last hour or so. Um, it was great. I love, like I said at the beginning, it's my favorite kind of balance of alien movie and suspense and like character driven film as well. Um, that the alien's almost the background. Like, it's a big part of the movie, but it's not the focal point. It's not like, oh, my God, you know, this alien's after me or something. Like, it, you take that kind of imminent threat out of there. Because at mm. no point in do they ever feel, yes, they're scared. They're scared for their lives. But at no point are they ever just like, this is going to end the world or anything like that, which I loved. You took out you took out the high stakes from this, which made it even better for me. Um, I also love, like, Jordan Peele's trend of not making the same movie twice. Yes. Um, like every single one of his movies have been different and I love it and I want him to continue it. Um, I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. Is he going to do a ghost movie next? Like, Oh, I you know? hope so. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I just want him to hit up every single genre or subgenre of horror that he can. I'm like, what's next? Zombies, ghosts, possession, <laughs> Catholic shit. What's next? <laughs> Catholic shit. 
That's what I call all those movies. Just Catholic shit. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a month. It's called Catholic shit. I was going to say, I think we found our like March or April, depending on when Easter is theme. Yes. <laughs> Catholic shit. But it's honestly like, I cannot wait to see what he does next. Every movie he does just keeps getting better. He's just getting so much better at his craft as well, as you can see with the yeah. technical aspect of here. The team he has around him, just chef's kiss, like, and Another thing I gathered from the Q&A is just how much he collaborates. Like, yes, this is a Jordan Peele movie, but it literally took a village and he acknowledges it. And he's very much like, no, 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 I didn't come up with this idea. This person did or that person did. And like, doesn't want all the attention to himself for it either, which only endears me to him more. Like, Jordan Peele, I don't know, do something so I don't have to respect you so much. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I give mine I, I did have one more question mm -hmm. because it related to uh things we've talked about kind of you know mm -hmm. back and forth after both seeing this movie more than once yeah do you think at the end that he was alive or was he a manifestation of kiki's imagination that that jean jacket was alive. Yeah. oh no that daniel was alive yeah i thought so i thought okay I, I thought, thought so, too. So. And then people have been planting seeds of doubt in my mind about it. And I'm like, no, I want him to be alive. Like, No, I want him to be alive, too. But, no, like, I, I thought sad. he would have – but if anyone was going to survive, it would be him. Yeah, because he knew how to tame or at least make a deal with Jean Jacket. Okay, that makes me feel better. I yeah. love that Jean Jacket and, was defeated so easily. With, like, and because Jean Jacket turned around real quick to follow Kiki. So she Jean Jacket couldn't have oh, yeah. gotten Daniel. Yeah, Okay. So I definitely think that that he's alive. I didn't have any reason to not think so, but I want to see. I want a little mini follow up. Like I want a short. I want like in his next movie. I want there to be like a, a TV kind of in the background with like the news feed or something, yeah. and just being like the Oprah shot or something. Like, like you like know, in the beginning of Scream Five with us finding out Kirby's alive. Exactly. Gotcha. Like yeah. just a little like just a little like haha, we're good. Like you know, follow up kind of I like a mini so. short type thing. I know. Like, they made it. They got it. I hope so, because these characters mean a lot to me. Um, me so I walked out of the theater stunned. I didn't know what to think when I first saw it. Not in a bad way. I genuinely was just like, wow, I immediately have to go see that again. Mm -hmm. um, it surpassed my expectations of spectacle. Speaking of spectacle, I didn't expect Jean Jacket to be so big, both character-wise mm -hmm. and literally and jean jacket also kind of looked like a pokemon but i loved it oh a hundred percent um it looks like a massive jellyfish which scared me as much as anything else because again it looks like it came from the depths of the ocean which there's a whole subterranean aliens not conspiracy but just like line of thought that it might be you know a theory listen it's um, ignorant for us to assume that we know anything about where we haven't been i know listen about two years ago when the government came out and said like, or not quite two years, it's been about 18 months. The government was like, the U.S. government was just like, hey, we have these flying things that look like Tic Tacs on camera and we don't know what they are. And everybody mm -hmm. at that point was just like, might as well happen because it's, yeah. you know, everything happening at once right now. But anyways, I just, I thought this was his best work of art so far in terms of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh and production value, I think if I'm going to rank his movies, they are probably in the order they came out only because us means a lot to me. I really love it. Same. Uh, but it's tied. Like none of them are that much further ahead than the other in terms of, you know, enjoyment or anything like that. It's, they have their own tier. Right. They're all their own. They're all their own tier. Uh, this is definitely a four and a half out of five uh, plush alien dolls sold at a carnival show for me. <laughs> um, the only reason it's not a five out of five, again, I think some of the pacing was just a little not off because far be it for me to tell Jordan Peele how to pace his films. But it, there were moments where I was like, okay, we could have done without some of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, listen – I didn't gush about it as much as I normally would have because I've said it on other podcasts, but the scene of the house getting drenched in blood is the most beautiful thing I've ever, like truly like technically beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy hell, like what a 
masterful callback to so many 70s and 80s horror films. Oh, yeah. The style, even the way the house looked. It looked, looked right. like your typical horror house from the 70s and 80s. Right. And anyways, I could we could do an extended cut of this episode if, if we really wanted to. Just talking about different aspects that we love so much. But yes, four and a half out of five uh, plush alien dolls sold at a carnival show. Uh, yeah. Same. Same Z's. Beautiful. Same Z's. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, we are super excited for the year ahead. Thank you so much for celebrating one year with us last month. month last before. month. Yeah. Yes. Last month. <laughs> <laughs> Time is a flat circle. You can find us at Bloody Broads Pod on all social media, as well as email us bloodybroadspod at gmail.com. If you would like to leave us a voice note that we might play on a show you can do that on our anchor page anchor.fm slash bloody dash broads and if you didn't like this episode yeah you can leave it in a five-star review (laughs) okay bye bye